Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? We got a few more people that are going to be walking in and joining us here shortly. I uh, just want to welcome everybody for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you're very welcome. We're glad to see you all here today. For those people that are online, thank you for jumping on with us today. I know last week we had a couple of minor issues, but I think we're online and going today. So thank you so much for joining us online today. Obviously, you're probably going, hey, that's not Marshall. That's not Brandon. My name's Jordan. I normally lead worship up here. But Marshall and Brandon are, I think they're in Colorado right now. Um, they're on trek with some of our teenagers uh, climbing a mountain this week. So you got me to introduce special prayers for those guys as they uh, go up the mountain this week and come back down. Hopefully, they'll have a really good trip. <coughs> uh, so for those of you in the room, just a couple of housekeeping things. The first things first, we do have some cups on your chair for communion time today. You can just peel back the top layer to get that little wafer, and then you can also just pull back the next layer and drink the juice that we have during communion. Uh, for those folks uh, who have kiddos, we have child care available in the back if you're interested in that. If your kids are going to stay in here with us, that's totally fine. Uh, we have activity packs back there in the back that you can go uh, bring in, colors and what have you in there. So it's a fun activity to help them uh, enjoy service a little bit more. <coughs> we have a special treat today. Uh, Marshall's not here, Brandon's not here, so in their absence, we get Reagan Price to preach today, and we're all excited about that as we continue our GOAT series, so hopefully uh, you'll all enjoy that a lot. So I'm going to start us off with a prayer, and then we'll jump into our worship service, so please stand with me, and uh, we'll get started. Father God, we're thankful uh, for, for this time that we can come today and be here uh, to worship you. And God, we, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for us, and we praise him, and we worship him this morning in this service. God, may you open our minds and our hearts to the message that the Reagan's going to share with us, that we would be receptive to it, and that we'll be able to apply it to our lives this week. God, we thank you so much for this day, for all the things that you give us, and we, pl uh, we pray that this, this worship is pleasing in your sight. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to say, Lord, from the start, thank you for breaking through my heart. Thank you for tearing every chain apart. When I was lost, you made a way. You turned my darkest night to day. You are my joy, and Lord, I'd like to say that nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody but you. When I am weak, my Lord, you're strong, loving me even when I'm wrong. Lord, you are my salvation and my song. Every day I'll make a choice, just listening, following your voice. Being with you, I can't help but rejoice. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Oh, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody, nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody thrills me like you do. Nobody fills my heart like Jesus. Nobody, Lord, but you. Nobody but you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let earth and heavenly saints proclaim the Praise God, the Holy Trinity. 
time to come together and worship it's the time of year everybody's making their travels and getting back from vacation and going to camps and going to other camps so we were kind of scrambling too so I'm getting ready and I was pretty sure Marshall had asked me to do communion thoughts this morning 
and I was supposed to do it with Reagan, doing the sermon. And I go with Reagan. I said, "Well, Reagan, you're going to you're going to continue our greatest of all time sermons this morning." He goes, "No, I thought I must be on the wrong email thread. I don't know what I'm doing here." So I kind of went back and looked, and we flew in yesterday from Des. I'm going, "No, I'm pretty sure." So yeah, we got a great sermon coming from Reagan this morning. I'm excited about it, and I'm getting to do communion thoughts while we've been talking about the uh, greatest of all times. It's just wonderful that we get to participate in the greatest event of all time. I always tell people I am thankful that we do this every Sunday. I am thankful that we choose to come together, take time out, and remember the cross. What Jesus did that moment on that cross for us, we, no matter what our week was, no matter if it was a great week, no matter if it was a rough week, no matter if we struggled that week, he saved us on that cross, and we have to be thankful for that. So this morning as we come together and we participate in remembering the body, the beating, the blood that was shed, as we take the bread and partake of the cup, let's just remember we are recognizing the greatest event of all time. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, just thank you for letting us come together. Thank you for letting us take the time to remember uh, what you did for us. Taking that beating, shedding that blood, you didn't have to do it, didn't need to do it, but you did it for us anyway. We needed it, and we thank you for it. We know we're not worthy at times. We know we struggle at times, but we know by doing what you did, dying on that cross and beating that tomb for us, we all have that chance of eternal life, and that we thank you. In your son's name, amen. All right, well, let's all stand up for the song before Reagan's lesson this morning. <coughs> Who brings the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth in holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. 
a little bit amazed of how bright the lights are here. Are your ears ringing? Uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, I truly am the third string guy. Um, and <coughs> I, it, it is a privilege to be in this pulpit. It is a little bit of a, a challenge because the first string guy says, some awfully good and challenging stuff, and the second string guy is, or the second guy uh, says some awfully good stuff too. So, uh, anyway, I, I um, it, you know, it's either the third week in July or the the third week in December, and Reagan's up preaching because that's when everybody takes a vacation. <laughs> I'm reminded of the preacher who. Uh, who every week would, would take out of his pocket a, a lifesaver or a, a piece of candy and put it in his cheek. This is an old preacher story. But uh, would put it in his cheek, and when, uh, when uh, the candy was done, the sermon was done. And uh, one week he took out a button and didn't realize it and put it in. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea how long this sermon is, <laughs> and I'm I. Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm uh, I. I'm not feeling very good right now, so <laughs> it may be short. <laughs> is that something I'm doing, Jason? Okay. You want me to go over the handheld? Okay. I, uh, I, I also got to confess to you that uh, this is the first time, the first time that I've ever, uh, I've ever preached without a Bible, which is an odd thing, but I, I have my phone here, and um, I'm, I'm, like I said, it's, it's a privilege to, uh, to speak, but it's always a little bit intimidating because I, I never feel feel prepared enough. I always feel overly tied to my notes, and I, I feel like I end up reading more than I should. But, uh, and that's the way it's going to be today. And I also confess to you that, that uh, there's not a pretty bow to put on the end of the sermon. And uh, Mary Jo and I talked through that last night, and, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it communicates the, the way uh, the way we want it to. July 4th, 1976 is a significant day, not just maybe in your memory, but in, uh, in my history as well, because our, our teenagers, and it has nothing to do with, uh, it, it has something to do with the, the history of our country, but, but it has a lot to do with where our teenagers and our, our uh, kids here at, at Flagstone have been this week. They've been at Green Valley. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a significant week in our family. Landon was baptized into Christ. But it's it's always a nostalgic week for me because I go back out and visit. Mary Jo probably laughs at me because secretly because I go out and visit about every day 
to camp. In 1976, July 4th, I was at my first session of Green Valley. Camp was six years old. It started in 1965. And in 1976, July 4th, it was a big deal, big day for our country, but it was a big day for me and because of that big day. And no, I'm not kidding. I can tell you exactly where I was standing, but I remember, I remember being uh, at the first evening devotional, first evening devotional at, at Green Valley, and I was wearing, I'm not, I'm not kidding about this, I was wearing a blue, a powder blue leisure suit. It was probably 174 degrees, but I was wearing a polyester leisure suit, sweating. And I, but I remember the song that I was singing there. It was such a significant day. I remember singing Seek You First, and that was a camp song. And so we sang camp songs all week at camp, and, and, and some, of the, some of them were new. But, and I'm not sure that I fully understood what seek first the kingdom of God meant. I think, it, I think probably to, at, at 10 or 11 years old, I was thinking that it had to do with heaven. That fall, that fall as I went to fifth grade, I, uh, the first day of fifth grade, I was introduced to something that I've never seen since and I ne had never seen up until that time. Uh, I was in Miss Gilbert's fifth grade class, and, uh, and every day at about 8.15, she said, okay, we're going to bow our heads, and we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer. And so we did that, and, and, I, would, and I knew it by memory, and, and it, it became easier and easier, and, and probably a whole lot less uh, thoughtful as, as we recited this each day, but I remember... Uh, I remember reciting the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, and I put it, kind of put it in that, in that, uh, in that category of, of maybe not knowing what I was saying at 10 or 11 years old about the kingdom of God and how, but as, as my life has evolved over time, as my understanding of Jesus has evolved over time, my understanding of, of, of that, of those phrases of seeking first the kingdom and establishing, um, praying for the kingdom to come. My understanding is that Jesus is establishing his kingdom in the hearts of men, and that's what we pray for. That's what we sung about. The greatest of all time, I'm a, it, this is a little bit of, of shifting gears from what I just said, but the greatest of all time was probably a conversation. If you, if you rewind from 1976, if you re rewind over 1950 years earlier, maybe, it was, maybe this kingdom discussion may have taken place, this greatest of all time kinds of conversations may have taken place between Pete and Andy, Peter and Andrew. They were brothers. You see, in Mark, Mark chapter 9, we're going to end up in Mark chapter 8 in just a little bit, but in Mark chapter 9, there's a discussion about who's the greatest. So it was, it, it was common, possibly, because of their understanding of Messiah. Maybe in their discussions about the greatest of all time, maybe they talked about the greatest rock flinger in, in David. Maybe they talked about the left-handed swordsman in Jehud. Maybe they talked about the impact that Ruth had. And the others that we've talked about, maybe that was the discussion, probably, because that's what their history was. That's what their story was. But it, when it got real quiet, maybe they talked about Messiah. You see, it had been several centuries, several hundred years, and, and, and what had gone on in Palestine, we were, they were in a political slump. They had, been, they had been dominated by the Babylonians. They had been dominated by the Persians, and now the Romans were ruling over their empire. 
and ruling over, the, over Palestine. And so as, as, as Andrew and Peter have this discussion about Messiah, it has a lot to do with the liberation that they think the Messiah is going to bring in relation to the Romans. Their discussion about Messiah was maybe, I can't wait. It will change everything when he comes. I can't wait to see a, the Messiah walk up to a thick-headed Roman soldier and just thump him. I can't wait to see the Messiah go kick the leg out, out from under the, the chair of a tax collector who's ripping the Jews off. Their understanding of Messiah was, was not just wrapped up in getting rid of the Romans, but it, it probably had to do, that as they discussed, it probably was woven together in, in faith and politics and probably a little bit confusing. But it was always about power. It was always about getting rid of the oppression. And it was always about how their lives would change. Maybe they were looking for him. Maybe the anticipation was, was awesome at times. Maybe that's why Andrew is hanging out with John the Baptist, who is a little bit of an eccentric. I don't know if you know, are familiar with John the Baptist. He was a little bit of an eccentric. But in John chapter 1, Jesus is hanging, or Andrew is hanging out with John the Baptist and and maybe, maybe, he, maybe Peter knows, I don't know, he's not with him. Maybe Peter thinks, oh, Andrew's chasing this dream about finding the Messiah and John the Baptist. And one day, John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. And, and Andrew looks at him and says, I want to follow you. He calls him rabbi. Andrew goes back to Peter, and he says, you remember all those discussions that we've had, all those songs that we've sung about the Messiah, all those years of stories after story of just anticipation of Messiah? I found him. I found the guy. And I'm wondering if Peter was just a little bit skeptical. Over time, we see, we see this evolution of Peter's understanding of Messiah grow, change. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. In Luke chapter 5, which I, I've, has always been one of my favorite stories, Peter and Jesus have hung out enough that, that Jesus is, uses, his, uses Peter's boat to float out just a little bit so he can speak to the crowd, he can teach the crowd. And after, after, uh, after he teaches, he turns to Peter and says, who's, who's been cleaning his nets and, and after fishing all night and not catching anything, he turns to Peter and he says, take your nets and throw them out into the water again. And Peter's response was, I've been fishing all night long. I've been fishing all night long, and you're asking me to throw my nets out again. I don't know if Peter recognized that Jesus was the Messiah then. I, I, he had to have thought when, when Jesus took care of his mother-in-law that there's something special about this guy. But you could see the wheels turning enough that the smoke's coming out of his ears. as 
he begins, as the nets begin to, to stretch and nearly break, as they fill with fish. And he realizes that Jesus has filled his nets. And the thought has, the question has to enter his mind. Who is this guy? And he, re- and, and he answers that question because he, he turns to Jesus and he says this. He says, get, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He recognizes who Jesus is and he right-sizes himself in relationship to Jesus. Jesus says an incredible thing. He says, Peter, you don't need to be afraid there in Luke 5. The more Peter witnessed of Jesus, the more it confirmed to him, the more it confirmed to him that this this Messiah that he had sung about, this Messiah that he had told stories about, this Messiah that he had anticipated was matching up to what Je- who Jesus is and who Jesus was. He saw he saw the lepers that were made healthy. He saw the demons that were cast out. He saw the blind that, that received sight. He saw the, those that couldn't walk be able to walk. And he, answered, he would answer the question over and over again. This guy is the guy. And it can just confirm what Andrew told him. If this isn't the Messiah, I don't know who is. But another thing happened. He took all that he witnessed. He took all that he witnessed and and married it up with his own agenda. If he can do all of these things, if he can raise the dead... Just think what he would be as a general. Just think what he would be, just think how powerful he, he would be when he leads the revolt to remove the Romans. They, the people that, that are in his army would be killed and he would just raise them from the dead. Just think of the power that he's going to exert as he drives the Romans out. The empire is over. Let's, and the, imp- the emperor is done. Every time I, I, I read this, or I, I think about Peter, I think about this picture in my, of one of my sons in, in, uh, in sports. Landon, I thought about having you demonstrate this, but I, I'm not going to have you do it. I don't want to embarrass you. But I think about, you'll still have, it's not there, is it? There is this, this picture that athlete or this, this thing that athletes do now where, where they've, they've, they've had success showing strength and they come off the field of whatever sport it is and they say, let's go! <laughs> and there's a picture in, in my uh, phone, phone photos of one of my boys saying, let's go! And every time I, I, I look at Peter, I, I'm, I, he's, he's saying, you know, the empire is done. Let's go. The dead are raised. Let's go. The Romans are going to be just, we're gonna, it's just going to stomp them out of, Rome, out of Palestine. Let's go. It's just a matter of time before Messiah unleashes his power. He will forcefully run the Romans out. Messiah, and this is, this is where it gets dicey. Not just Peter's misunderstanding of Messiah, maybe, but Peter had visions of ruling with Jesus. That's why they were in Mark 9. That's why they were talking about who the greatest was. Who's going to sit by Jesus when he rules on his throne? 
Messiah's kingdom. Messiah's kingdom is coming fully into this world. And we will rule with him. Let's go. But there were other times when Jesus did not quite match up to the blueprint and the expectation of Peter and other Jews. Sometimes Messiah said unexpected things. Sometimes Messiah said uncomfortable things. Sometimes Messiah said detestable things. Sometimes he changed the criteria for what the greatest of all time is. And this is where we look at Scripture. If you have your Bibles or if you have your, uh, your phone apps, Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do you say I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, he's been waiting all his life to answer this question. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for. And I can't wait till we go public with this. He didn't say that. But Jesus, Jesus said, when, when Peter made that confession, Jesus said, don't tell anybody. I wonder, and scripture doesn't say it, but I wonder if it's because Peter misunderstands Messiah that much. Scripture goes on in, uh, moves on in chapter, or in verse uh, 31. He says, he, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. The Son of Man must be killed was not a message that was received very well. Scripture doesn't say what Peter's rebuke was. It doesn't record his words. But I'm going to take the liberty of, of saying what Peter might have said. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Jesus, haven't you read your Bible? Messiah doesn't die. He rules. He liberates the oppressed. He powerfully forces the Romans out. And don't forget about us. It will be a glorious display of power. We will win. Let's go. And Jesus said, because Peter, Peter was used to getting rebuked, Peter was used to being talked to sternly by Jesus. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter was accustomed to correction, but when you're called Satan... It's personal. 
to put it lightly, Jesus is saying, you've, you've misunderstood Messiah. And here's the part that's uncomfortable, the most uncomfortable. In verse 34 through 36, it says, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. Whoever wants to save your life will lose it. I wonder what Peter thought about that. We live in a country where, where a sitcom and, and whatever conflict is, is shown in a movie is wrapped up by the end of the movie. But this is, this is kind of this open-ended, not, not, not a very feel-good statement that Jesus makes to Peter. I wonder if Peter thought, this guy's clueless. Your plan is dying? If you're going to win this, Jesus, you can't just surrender. You can't just give in. You can't just die. And I borrowed this from someone. He says, if Messiah and his kingdom are going to be strategically placed in this world, you've got to use force. It's the only thing they understand. You can talk about the love of God all you want, but the only thing they understand is when you take off take out your sword, and you cut off their ear, which is what Peter did in the garden. I'm not sure why he's still taking the sword to the garden at the end of, the, end of Jesus' life. There's a lot at stake in this conversation. Peter's vulnerability to misunderstand Messiah. Peter's Vulnerability to misunderstand power, misunderstand greatness. Is a vulnerability that you and I have. Is a challenge that you and I have. This, this last, this, this whole idea. Back in verse 36, whoever wants to save your life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life will somehow save it. That whole idea is, just blows my mind. This conversation between, between Peter and Jesus is, is pivotal in Peter's life. I'm not sure that he fully understands it. I'm certain he, full, he doesn't fully understand it there in Mark 8. But you see a progression in Peter's life, and, and we, see, we see him struggle from Mark 8 to the end of, end of the chapter. This vulnerability that he shows, is, is, it, it gets better, but he still, he still denies Jesus. He still follows at a distance. Scripture intentionally says... Is still a struggle. What if I'm going to try to talk off uh, off my notes here, walk away from my notes a little bit? What if Peter's perspective had won out? This, this understanding of power being the way of the Messiah. What if that had won? Maybe it, is, maybe it was an actual temptation for Jesus to give in to that rather than to die.
if Messiah had run, run the Romans, forced the Romans, killed the Romans, and, and run them out of Palestine? What if he had done that? You're just re replacing one empire with another empire. You're just replacing one leader, one Caesar, with another guy that is ruling top-down leadership. And the world never knows that Messiah is crucified. If Peter's perspective had won... we could relate to it to him better. It being the last, the last 17 months, I'm, uh, I'm convinced that uh, have been hard on all of us. And the thing that uh, I, I began to, to recognize early on that, that it kind of exposes, I mean, exposes things in my heart and my life that, um, that I'm not real proud of. And one of those things is, is uh, self-preservation. And that's what I think Jesus is trying to, to communicate to, to Peter is, is Messiah is, is about dying. I said at the beginning of the sermon that, that when I started talking that, that there's not a bow that I can tie this up with because it, this, this news that, uh, this news that, or this, these statements that Jesus makes pretty much uh, rocks Peter. The kingdom that Peter envisioned was established only by destroying his enemies. The kingdom that Messiah brings is established by those who follow in the footsteps of the crucified Savior. Peter eventually got it. In one of his letters in 1 Peter 2 and 21, he, he wrote, he said, to this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his footsteps. We've, we've taken of, of the emblems of, that, uh, that we do every week, the, the juice and the bread, and I'm grateful that I got to do it uh, beside Landon the first time next to him. But it's not just a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. It's not just a reminder of, of his, his total and complete sacrifice that, that, that God wanted to commun communicate to the world in Jesus. It is a reminder of the call that, that Peter just said to imitate dying. That doesn't have to be a bad... A, a, a bad uh, bad thing how beautiful it is to be able to lose your life and then somehow losing your life you find it and I'm reminded of that for people who get it for people who who uh, go through hard and challenging times and still in, find a way to to be others focused let's pray Father thank you so much for for your desire To show to us 
your love. To show to us your nature in the sacrifice of Jesus. And Father, we confess to you that, that sacrifice does not come naturally to us. We seek our comfort zone, we seek our safety, we seek our self-preservation, we seek our, our own way. We seek Peter's view of the kingdom. Father, help us to move outside of that. Help us to follow. Help us to, to die. And discover the beauty that it is to follow, follow a crucified Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me, in need of Christ. great to see everyone out this morning. This is definitely still uh, vacation season, so we have many that are on the road. You know, as it's already been mentioned, we, uh, we had a wonderful week of camp this past week, and uh, I definitely want to thank Reagan for his sermon this morning. You know, we are very blessed with uh, fabulous ministers here at the church, but you know, I think Reagan definitely is a, is a shoe-in for maybe a greatest of all time third stringer. So, <laughs> so Reagan, we're, we're so glad to have you, and thank you for your preparation, your sermon. 
Please don't forget there's uh, various ways to give. So you can give online or you, there's a basket out, out in the lobby area that, where you can give. You know, I also had the privilege of being out at Green Valley a few times this past week. And I, I attended a different uh, Bible camp, which was also a blessing to me. But Green Valley, you know, every time I'm out there, it's, uh, it's very clear to me that there's lives being changed out there. Very clear to me. And, um, you know, it's not just the campers. There's so many uh, not-so-young people that, whose lives are being changed out there as well. And so uh, that camp is definitely a blessing. And, you know, in a very similar way, I would say that uh, Flagstone, you know, here as we strive to reach out and connect and serve is definitely impacting people's lives and changing people's lives. And in a similar way, it's, it's not just uh, those uh, who are attending, but those that are serving here as well. And, and so I'd definitely, I always like to take this opportunity to encourage everyone to get involved, to find some way to use your gifts, find some way to, to serve here at Flagstone and impact others. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, one, as we've been uh, communicating, we're very excited about the kickoff of our uh, children's classes starting up here in just two weeks, 1st of August. So there's a lot of preparation being put into that. And so uh, definitely uh, those will start at 9 a.m. on that morning. So definitely plan to bring the kiddos for that. And as always, there's, there's opportunities to serve in the children's ministry. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Stephanie's doing an outstanding job keeping a lot of activities going and generating a lot of interest. So uh, definitely reach out and, and try to uh, get involved in that ministry if you can. Um, if, if there's nothing else, let's, let's say a quick prayer and we'll have a, a closing song. Dear Father, we, we thank you for this time to be together and worship as a family. We thank you for... Uh, bringing everyone in this morning and with the busy schedules that everyone has. Father, we're, we're so thankful for this uh, opportunity that the young people had to have their camp this past week and, and to bless them in that way. Father, we thank you for our, uh, the ways that you bless us daily. And we're, we're thankful, we're so thankful for the Messiah and for all of those who, who served him directly while he was here and work so hard to, to get us to the point where we are today where uh, we know you, we know Jesus and his life and the sacrifice that he gave, and, and we get to uh, rejoice in the opportunity to, to be with you in heaven one day because of that. Father, we're thankful for this body here at Flagstone. We ask that you continue to, to guide us and bless us in our lives and in our work here at this church. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again to everybody for, for being here in person. Those of you online, appreciate you jumping on with us today. Let's all stand up. We'll sing one more, and then we'll be on our way. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from every tear. Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is